Here we are, very excited. It's the end of the Revealed series, which is great, but it's also Pentecost Sunday, as Heather mentioned at the start of the service for those of you who are with us. And so what I'm going to do this morning is attempt to uh, bring those two threads together as we uh, end the series. And uh, bear with me as I just get my notes put together. Uh, I just want to do want to highlight next week. We've got three special Sundays coming up. The next Sunday, yes, as Heather said, it was Zeke Rink from Vineyard Churches UK is going to be here to talk about youth. And DTI, Dreaming the Impossible Conference, that's going to be happening next summer. Um, you know, some of you may know Soul Survivor is, uh, this was the last year. This will be the last year, and so we're going to be running that. And also Henry and Rachel. So it's going to be a great youth service. The following Sunday, which is the 23rd, we've got Testimony Sunday, which is going to be great. As you guys know, at the end of each series, we're going to time just to give him the glory and as a, as a body of people here, just um, talk about what God's been doing. So do come to that. It's going to be an amazing Sunday. And the last Sunday there, on the 30th, Rich is going to be leading the Connect Group Sunday, which is going to be great. An opportunity to hear from our Connect Groups, welcome new Connect Group leaders, and just celebrate what God's doing in Connect Groups. So be here for the next three weeks. Exciting specials coming up. So here we are, the last of the reveal series. I was counting the weeks. It's been about 12 or 13 weeks. It's been, it's been quite, a, quite a marathon of exploration in terms of who he is. And we kicked off the series, you might remember, asking the question, what's in a name? And I was out there on the streets of St. Albans, pouncing on unsuspect, unexpected passers-by and asking them, what is your name and do you know what it means? And it turned out most people didn't know what that, it meant. You see, more than a label, a name really was intended to represent the very nature of a person. Names have meaning. And so we looked at the fact that God has a name. And not only does he have one name, he has many names that represent who he is and his character and his promises towards us. And of course we looked at that, didn't we, to say, well, if God reveals who he is, that has profound implications for who we are. Think about it. If God reveals himself as God the healer, that has implications for how we deal with sickness. We go to him and say, heal me, Lord. If God reveals himself as the God of peace, then that, that shows how we respond in those moments of distress. We call upon him. And so this has been as much as about God revealing who he is, about revealing who we are and who we are called to be. You know, we're going to look at the final name, and I'm really excited. But before I do that, I want to just very briefly provide some context and a bit of a thread as to why we are here midway through the year and what God's been doing and kind of paint a bit of a broader picture and it will make sense when I get to the end of the talk this morning. You know, when I started this year, <clears throat> for those of you that are with us, you would have heard me share my heart of two guiding convictions that, that God has really given me. And the first is this, that we are in the final hour, that Jesus is coming again soon that he's coming for his bride, the church. And you know, I looked at that conference on holiness that Wimber had ran, Wimber, the founder of the vineyard, uh, and he said this, you know, I've always felt as if we had much time left, but of late I've been thinking that's not necessarily the case. And God is saying to us as a people now to get ready and to get holy, to be set apart for him. Well, you know, that's the battle and that's the message that we carry on because the reality is that was 30 years ago and here we are, 30 years and saying the same thing, let us get ready. But you know, it's not just about us getting ready, it's about this, a realization that we are in what's called the dispensation of grace. What on earth does that mean? Well, dispensation is just a fancy word to mean that we're in a period of time. 
We had the, the period of the law before Jesus, dispensation of the law. Then we had the cross, Jesus. And then we're in this dispensation of grace. What is this time? It's that everyone would know the name of Jesus. That no one would be lost. It says in uh, 2 Peter 3.9, Peter says this. He says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as it relates to when he comes back. As some understand slowness. Instead, listen to this. He is patient with you. Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. You see, as believers, we have to recognize that there is a lost world out there that needs to know Jesus. And we are called at his church to proclaim the name of Jesus to a lost and hurt world. Because this dispensation of grace will come to an end. Jesus will come again, and he will judge the nations. Lives are at stake. We're not here to have a party, although parties are fun. I love parties. We're here on a mission and a commission. The second conviction that I laid out was that God is about to pour out his spirit in abundance, in revival. And didn't we? We looked at all the great revivals of history, an extraordinary working of the Holy Spirit with extraordinary results. And you know, the great Charles Spurgeon said, what has happened before with God is a precedent for what's about to happen again. And we say, Lord, come again. Come in that tsunami wave and bring revival to this land. Boy, don't we need it. Boy, what a mess we're in. What do you think the answer is going to be? Jesus. And so we cry out to him. And so as he comes in power, there's a great harvest. And so as a result of these, and what God's doing in us in this season, we've been in a season of preparation, getting ready, a season of positioning ourselves for him. And we looked at that at the start of the year, didn't we? We looked at those, those things. Number one, humility of heart. You know, he opposes the, the proud but gives grace to the humble. Number two, hunger for him. That we hunger after him. Let me just say this. If you're not hungry for God, then you're not moving forward. If you're satisfied on what came before, then you're not moving forward. Faith-filled vision. You know, when, we get, when God pours out his spirit on us, he causes us to walk with eyes of faith, not eyes of fear. Then we respond in prayerful expectancy. You know, just like the guys, the disciples in Pentecost. How did they respond to the promise of Jesus? Did they go to Tel Aviv, which is a great resort, and lie on sunbeds? <laughs> no, they waited in the upper room. What? In prayer and expectancy, saying, come Lord Jesus. And that is our response in this season. Let us be expectant in prayer. And lastly, with diligent hands, that we are called to be his hands and feet. You know, James 4, 8 says this, draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. You know what that is? It's an invitation with a promise. As we draw near to him, he draws near to us and reveals himself. And that's the season we've been in, in the series Revealed. No accident, you see, that as we have positioned ourselves for him, as we've said, yes, come, Lord, we're hungry for you. We come in humility. What has he done? He's revealed who he is to us. And I've been just so... Uh, thankful to God of the amazing testimonies over these past 12, 13 weeks, and we'll hear about that in a couple of weeks, of how God has been revealing himself to a people that are positioning themselves for him. So exciting. So exciting. And just want to give you a very brief recap then, in terms of the, the names we've looked at before I look at the name this morning, which I'm very excited to do. Elohim, the sovereign creator God. 
Therefore, we are the created and he is the creator. We look to Jehovah, his personal name, the great I am, revealing he wants intimate relationship with us. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. Jehovah Rohi, the Lord, my shepherd, and we are his sheep. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord, my peace. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, my banner of victory. Jehovah Roth, the Lord, my healer. Jehovah Shema, the Lord is there. And then last week, as Denise looked at Abba, our daddy. What a God. What a God. That is who we worship. That is who we worship. And so what name this morning? How do we wrap wrap up this series? We look at the final name. The name which is above all other names. It is the name of Jesus. Jesus Paul puts it best in the letter to the Philippines in chapter 2. He says this in verse 9. Therefore God exalted Jesus to the highest place and gave him the name above all names. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Thank you, Lord. You see, it says in John 17, Jesus said as he was praying for his disciples, he said to the Father, I have revealed your name, Father, to those that you gave me. I have made your name known to them. See, Jesus revealed the name of the Father. And now Jesus is the fullness of God. You see, I'm going to give you just some scriptures to help you. Just very briefly, you can write them down. Maybe you can use this in your own meditation time, a bit of homework. Colossians 1.15, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Colossians 1.19 says this, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus. Colossians 2.9, for in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. He is God. And Hebrews 1.3, the Son, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. That is Jesus. He is God. I want to briefly look at the name Jesus. And Wendy looked at this many weeks ago when she looked at the name Jehovah. You see, it's interesting. In the Greek, the name Jesus is Iesos. And in Aramaic, the language Jesus spoke is Yesu. Both are derived, this is really great, from the Hebrew, you're going to like this, in which the name is Yeshua or Joshua. And Joshua is made up of two parts. Are you ready for this? Yah, Yah, which is short for Yahweh, God, and Hosea, which means salvation. And so the name of Jesus means God saves. God saves. Acts 2.21, and it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. It is only by the name of Jesus that man can be saved. Your good works won't get you there. Your good deeds won't cut it. Your self-righteous acts won't do. And I've got some good news for you. You'll never be ready for it. You'll never be at the right place for it. Because it's all by the name of Jesus. How freeing is that? You cannot do anything to earn your salvation. It comes through Jesus. And you might ask me, well, Mark, what are we being saved from? That's a good question. 
Am I maybe saved from the mundane? Maybe. <laughs> saved from boredom? Saved from my silly friends? <laughs> saved from the pastor's bad jokes? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> saved from what? Saved from having fun? Saved from being my own person? Saved from this freedom? Let me tell you as boldly as I can, saved from eternity without God. Let's, let's be real about this. We're talking about eternity. Saved from eternal separation from a God who loves you and has brought you here on purpose and for a reason. And saved to what? Relationship with him forever. You know, it says in the scriptures, doesn't it, that nothing can separate us from the love of God. And it says this, not even time. You see, eternity is his love. Eternity is relationship with him. And for many of you, you've come this morning and you're wondering why you might be here. You're not here by accident. Maybe you've never said yet to, yes to Jesus and yet your heart's beating fast and you're thinking, could this be me? I'm here to say it is you. What you're feeling is the heartbeat of the Father's love for you right now. Don't leave this place without saying yes to Jesus and lifting up the name of Jesus because he's got something great for you. And I'm going to be at the end of this stage, at the end of the service. You come and speak with me. I want to pray with you. We saw salvations in the first service. Thank you, Lord, more. It's by the name of Jesus. You know, I was praying in here um, a few weeks back. And in fact, I was praying just about down there one lunchtime. And I was just seeking the Lord. And all of a sudden, I, I just felt this wave of grief hit me. Like this emptiness. And I started crying. I'm like, Lord, what is this? And God said, it's my heart for my lost people. And it was so empty. And I bawled like a baby for half an hour with such a belly of grief. And God showed me Isaiah 54, verses 4. And I want to read this to you. This is the heart of the Lord speaking. Do not be afraid. You will not be put to shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. For your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. The Lord will call you back as if you were a wife deserted and distressed in spirit. A wife who married young only to be rejected, says your God. For a brief moment I abandon you, but with deep compassion I will bring you back in a surge of anger, I hid my face from you for a moment. But with everlasting kindness, I will have compassion on you. Says the Lord, your Redeemer. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken. Nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. What is this talking of? Restored relationship, salvation. That is the heart of the Father, that all men and women would be saved and come into communion as we've been sharing today with him and restore right relationship with him. So I would encourage you, if that's you this morning and you want to say yes to Jesus, then don't leave this place without calling on the name of Jesus because no other way will get you to relationship with the Father. I want to tell you, a, have we got time for a story, quick story maybe? Yeah? 
two, three minutes? Keep me on time check here. I'll weave it in. You'll see where we're going with this. You know, I was uh, getting ready for, in October last year, Steph and I and the kids were on holiday abroad and I was by the pool, you know, you take some books with you and I had a couple of books that I was reading at the time. First one is uh, by Catherine Coleman, saying, I believe in miracles. Great book. Some of you might have heard of Catherine Coleman, a great hero of the faith, a great healing evangelist of the 50s and 60s and 70s. And great healings would take place as a revival poured out. People would walk through the doors of the auditorium and cancer would just fall off. Such amazing stuff. And I was reading it saying, Lord, do it again. Come, Lord. Getting hungry for that. Come in power. And at the same time, I was reading a book by the wonderful John and Carol Arnott. Um, you might have heard of them. They were the pastors of the Toronto uh, Vineyard Fellowship in Canada, where revival broke out back in 95, I think it was. And I was reading that book, and they were saying, you know, even though it is the suddenly, the sovereign act of God where he moves in power, they were saying it wasn't a surprise because we had spent years positioning ourselves for him. And that's, of course, I referenced that in the position series, that just as a surfer can miss the wave, so we can miss the move of his spirit if we're not ready. But what I was fascinated by reading this story was that John and Carol had said that God had told them to do two things. Number one was to give them their mornings, spend time with him. And by the way, FYI, there's something really powerful about giving God our first fruits. Maybe some of you just need to be doing that in this season. And the second thing was God told them to seek out anointed men and women of God. And I was reading this thinking, wow, yeah, Lord, I want that, Lord. And in that moment, God said to me, I want you to email John and Carol and tell them you'll go any, anywhere in the world just to meet them for a coffee. <laughs> what do you do with that when God says that? This is John and Carol, global ministry. And genuinely, that's how I feel. This little old me here. So, but, you know, when God says something, what do you do? You respond with eyes of faith. So I thought, oh, I better. So I remember on the plane, got my phone out and started typing this email out. Dear John and Carol, <clears throat> What does one say? You know, my name's Mark, blah, blah, blah. Um, I was reading your book, and the Lord said I should just reach out to you and have it. Anyway, so I sent it. I thought, well, it's with God now. Anyway, I thought nothing of it. And two months later, I get an email back from his PA saying, John, would love to meet with you. I was like, whoa, I didn't see that one coming. But good news, he's actually going to be in the UK, so he'll meet you there. So three months ago, I meet with John for two hours in person. And many stories I could regale you, which for another time... But it was such a wonderful time with him praying and seeing people sit, uh, being uh, healed and, and spending time talking about revival. But he shared me this prophecy that I, that I want to share with you, and you'll see how this is linked in. He said, you know, Mark, back in the 1980s, a prophet called Bob Jones, some of you might have heard of Bob Jones, he had prophesied there'll be three seasons, if you like, of God moving. And each season would be 20 years. This is back in the 1980s. He said the first season would be a renewal of the church, Experiencing the Father's love. And John said, and that was really what the, the Toronto blessing was about. Some of you may have known about it. He said, yes, we saw souls lost, but principally it was about restoring the love of the Father to his church. And millions came to that. Millions came to that. You know, Bill Johnson was impacted there. Heidi Baker, you, the list goes on. But then Bob Jones says this. The next 20 years, so this is start of 2000, would be where that is spread throughout the globe. And God would be renewing the church. And we've seen that. We've seen how that um, revival really birthed across the globe. And then he said this, and the year 2019, this is back in 1980, would be a year of key transition, leadership transition. And then he said this, the next 20 years would mark harvest time. 
a move of his spirit, the light we've never seen. Now, I'm not saying here that it's going to happen January the 1st. <laughs> That'd be pretty brave, wouldn't it? Maybe stupid. <laughs> but we are in this season. There is no accident that we are in this position that we're in, where God is seeking us to go deep where God is seeking us to call out his name because he is getting his church ready in this final hour to bring in the lost. That's why we're here. Maybe you say to me, well, Mark, you know, I am saved. That's great. What is this for me? Let me tell you, you've got work to do. Now is the time. Now is the harvest. We are called to make Christ known. We have our part to play where the Father is looking to restore communion with his people, we have our part to go out there and proclaim the name of Jesus. You see, where Jesus revealed the name of the Father, we are called to reveal the name of Jesus. Where Jesus revealed the Father through the proclamation and the demonstration of good news, so we are called to reveal Jesus through the proclamation and demonstration of his good news. That is the part that we have to play. And that's what it's all about at Pentecost, as I tie that one in. You know, if you look at Acts, Acts 1, verse 8, Jesus says to the disciples, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Listen, what's the result? And you will be my witness, witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. How was it that this bunch of people, the misfits, were able to change the face of the globe and demonstrate the kingdom because the Holy Spirit came upon them in power? You know, there is a difference between the Holy Spirit being in you and on you. When the Holy Spirit is in you, it's to regenerate you as a new creation in Christ Jesus. But when he comes upon you, he comes in power so that we can make Christ known. You know, Paul said it best in 1 Corinthians 2. Verses four and five, he said, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration, a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. And so that as he healed the sick, he said, this is Jesus, the healer of your souls. And so as he administered peace, he said, this is Jesus who brings peace to your lives. And guess what? We are called to do the same. You know, I was, uh, last week got to my office and in front of my door was a ton of books that Andy, our building manager, had found and had left them for me to sort through. And I found this one. I love these old conference notes. This is one in 1985, another uh, vineyard conference called uh, Kingdom of God. And I was flicking it through this week and there's a, John Wimber here is talking about power evangelism. And by the way, we've got a quip coming up in autumn, we're going to do a power evangelism course. We get out there in power and proclaim the name of Jesus. And, 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 and uh, John Wimble was talking about the demonstration of the kingdom. And he said this, uh, in response to the question, why did God send us the Holy Spirit? Michael Green in his book, I Believe in the Holy Spirit, writes this. There can be no doubt from a candid examination of the New Testament that the prime purpose of the coming of the Spirit of God upon the disciples was to equip them for mission. The comforter comes not in order to allow men to be comfortable, but to make them missionaries. In this final hour, as we prepare ourselves for the great harvest, we should not be a church, and we never have been for the past 30 years, that just sits us having, here having a party. We are here to equip us to go out in power and demonstration of the name of Jesus. Because there's a lost world out there, 
And boy, you just have to see what's going on to see the brokenness. And the only thing that's going to solve that is Jesus. And God in this Pentecost is saying to each one of you, my promise of the Holy Spirit is the same now as it was 2,000 years ago to equip you to demonstrate my goodness in power to a world that needs to know the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I've been so blessed by Justin Welby and the Thy Kingdom Come initiative. You know, we, Lord, we just pray for Justin Welby as he leads uh, the Church of England and the, and the Anglican Communion. We just pray you give him wisdom and discernment. Give him favor with those that he needs favor with. Give him wisdom beyond his years and discernment beyond his experience. Anoint him afresh in this season to boldly proclaim your word. We pray in your name. Amen. But what I love about the Thy Kingdom Come initiative, some of you may have heard about it. Every, in the lead up to Pentecost, they're praying for individually five people to come to know Jesus. And the whole point is, is that when we hit Pentecost, it's that God will pour out his spirit in order for us to make Christ known. Isn't that great? That's what they're doing. And I love that. I would like to invite the band up. Now, I want to just end with this. Pentecost was a Jewish festival. It's not something new as such, although God did something new in that moment. But the Jewish festival Pentecost in Jewish in Hebrew, is called Shavuot, which means the Feast of Weeks. You're going to love where this goes, so do bear with me. This is good. And it starts, you see, on the Passover, the Passover lamb. And of course, we know that Jesus was the Passover lamb. And it lasted for seven weeks. And the first week, it started bringing in the barley, bringing in the grain. And the final week of harvest was at Pentecost, bringing in the wheat the harvest of souls. Isn't that interesting? That the Holy Spirit comes upon the disciples on that final week of harvest. Why? To equip the church in the dispensation of grace to bring in the harvest. You see, Shavuot is a prophetic festival of what God is doing in our midst right now. See, we are called to bring in the harvest in this final week, this final hour. That's why the Holy Spirit has come upon us in power. I'd like us all to stand.